This is Franchise Today, brought to you by FRM Solutions, providers of the best-in-class software solutions for franchise relationship management. Franchise Today is your destination for weekly information, conversations, and interviews with accomplished industry leaders, all of whom share best practices for sustainable growth and sensible franchising. Here now, your host, Stan Friedman, to kick off this week's podcast. Today is Wednesday, March 31st. I'm Stan Friedman, and this is Franchise Today. Today's episode is one I've really been looking forward to, and in fact, I've been chasing this one for a while. No, it's not that Art Coley wasn't interested in participating, but rather more about how well-meaning people, despite the best of intentions, so often get sidetracked. And I don't mean just Art, either. That goes for me, too. Well, this year, between a milestone birthday and some of the stories we have all heard or were still experienced regarding losses from COVID. I made a New Year's resolution, one that I might add I have actually been sticking to, and it goes like this. If I think of someone that I haven't spoken to or been in touch with for some period of time, simply because they don't show up on radar or in my daily orbit, and then as always, we get busy, life gets in the way, and even more time passes before we ever think about touching base with them again. Well, could be the next time you think of trying, something may have happened, making it no longer possible to make that connection, at least not in this lifetime anyway. So my resolution was simply this. If I think of someone like that, then I will reach out to them with either a text, email, or phone call within 24 hours of that thought. Connect or not, I'll know that I tried. Well, that happened last week with Art Coley, and bam, here we are today. I think the timing of this interview is kind of neat, too. Given that Paul Warburg did such a bang-up job last week, sharing things that will no doubt be reiterated and reinforced again today. I'm certain there's nothing like having two guests on back-to-back whose core competencies overlap in some ways, such that each in his or her own unique way positively validates the other's message to the audience. And as we can all agree, in franchising, positive validation is a very good thing. So, let's take a quick break here, and when I come back, I'll be joined by the affable, personable, extremely talented Art Coley, founder and CEO of CFG Franchise, who will be here to pay it forward with his views on what it takes to succeed and create sustainable growth, working with a structured licensing and onboarding system. Franchise Today will be right back, but first, a word from our sponsors. We are all familiar with Vistage, YPO, and EO. Well, now comes Zorforum, a somewhat similar type of executive group, but this one comes with a twist. Zorforum groups are exclusively for franchisors. Imagine a peer group for sharing and networking on a platform built exclusively for franchise executives. Zorforum members are afforded unparalleled access to best practices and some of the brightest minds within the franchising world through regular meetings and a dedicated communications platform. In this post-COVID world, a franchise-specific mastermind or peer group is an endeavor worth making time for. Zorforum groups of 6 to 10 will bring leaders together that are in similar situations, but with exclusivity in terms of their competitive sets, so that each can openly help others benefit from their respective knowledge, perspective, and experience with no fear of competitive loss. Network, learn, strategize, and remain motivated along your journey. Join a peer group, not just any peer group. Join the only one designed for emerging franchisors. Join Zorforum. Learn more at zorforum.org. That's www.zorforum.org. 
Art Coley has been passionate about small business ownership since he opened his first burger stand at age 15. It was that early stage business, in fact, that sparked his interest in franchising. Art's various career endeavors have all centered upon making small business ownership accessible for entrepreneurs around the world. In 2015, Art noticed an anomaly in the franchising space. While many franchise concepts from startup to mature might have a good business model and initial success in unit growth, there seemed to be a lack of structure and discipline around their ongoing franchise development processes and procedures, slowing growth and sometimes even stalling the brand out. Using decades of experience driving system-wide revenue for top 200 brands, Art saw this as his calling and formed CGI Franchise, where his mission is to close that gap for CGI's brand partners and provide their development teams with systems and processes that deliver thriving, successful franchise development and onboarding. The system is called the Recruitment Operating System, or ROS. Today, Art is at the top of his game, and I'm really happy that we've finally been able to get together for this conversation today. Art Coley, welcome to Franchise Today. Stan, it is great to be here with you. Happy to have you here and really happy to have had the opportunity to really start checking in and learning a lot about what it is you're doing today and how different it is from others that are in the franchise recruitment space. We're going to spend more on the back half of our time together today to talk more about that, but I must let you start as all guests do, taking us back to where it was, when it was, and how it was that franchising discovered Art Coley. Wow, Stan. Well, before I climb into that, I just have to say that it's always good to spend time with not only somebody that's in the same franchise industry, but also somebody that, that I consider as a friend and also somebody that is, I think you and I may be up there, it's considered a little bit nutty about yeah. franchising. I know there's some people that do this for a career and they come into our industry and nothing wrong with that. But then there's a small handful of us that it's not about the money. It's not about a title. It's not, it's about being fanatical about franchising because we've just seen the power and the difference that it can make in other people's lives. It's a special thing to be able to wake up and do each day. So Stan, you're one of those people in my book, man. So I just wanted to share that with you. Well, I appreciate it. And it's the first three words in almost any bio or LinkedIn profile that I put out there. It's always passionate about franchising. Yeah. Well, that, and that sums it up. Yep. So you want me to rewind the tape a little bit here? (laughs) 1985, summer after my freshman year in high school, it started for me, along with a massive uh, help from my family. We opened a little burger stand over on the north side of Temple. Burgers and snow cones. I was definitely thinking to myself, we've got McDonald's right where we want them with our little 18 by 18 building with a deck out in front and a small drive through the back. This was, you know, I was age 15 and I remember being asked about, well, what are you going to do? You've got one. Do you want to open more units, this and that? I said, you know, I'd love to franchise this thing. And I didn't have a clue what franchising meant, but it was the first thought where I said, well, gosh, that's what I see all these restaurants doing. And I hear about franchising and I thought it was just food service. Fast forward to 1993, the fall of 1993, I had gone off to University of Houston. I was freelance writing for a business magazine in Houston and a gentleman by the name of Bud Hatfield, franchising Hall of Fame, Bud founded Quick Copy Printing. He had written a book called Wealth Within Reach and I had been assigned to go interview Bud about his book and we had a 20 minute interview scheduled. His franchise at this time was 2000 units, 24 countries. He had a 160 acre really education or franchise complex with lodging, 
teaching and cafeteria and administration building and all of that out in the northwest part of Houston, an area called Cyprus. I went out to interview Bud. We had a 20-minute interview scheduled. We ended up talking for two plus hours. And uh, within 90 days, I was working for him. And you talk about franchising, finding you or finding us. That's where it found me that day on his campus driving and seeing, wow, understanding this whole thing about franchising, being about helping people, giving them a chance to be successful and reach their life goals through small business ownership in a franchise so that they maybe didn't have to be the entrepreneur of the century. They didn't have to have the greatest, best idea. They didn't have to come up, spend all the years of trial and tribulation trying to come up with the best systems and process and best practices for this particular industry. You know, somebody would have already done that for them and could teach them how to do it and take a few pennies out of each dollar. That was where my eyes really were open and I knew that the student had found the teacher in Bud and that's where I cut my teeth. That's where franchising found me is going to work for Bud Hadfield at the age of uh, 24 years old. That was almost 30 years ago. So that was the beginning for me, Stan. You know how they say when the student is ready, the teacher appears. That story is an absolutely true example and evidence of that statement. So what were you doing for Bud in early days? Where did he have you focused on doing what? Well, it's funny because, you know, Bud passed away in 2011. And when you go back to that 1993 year or early 94, when we had decided I was going to come to work for him, I actually told Bud I was going to come to work for him and I'd do whatever he needed me to do. He said, well, how much are you going to pay me? I said, I know you got to decide that and where you want me and what I do. I said, all I want, uh, my only requirement for you is that you teach me about franchising. And so Bud stuck me in their first brand called Copy Club. I was special projects, right? We know that title that sometimes falls on the person that they're not really for sure exactly what to do with. And so my journey started with the Copy Club franchise, uh, one of, I think, maybe six or seven brands that Bud had at that time. He had evolved into a holding company, multiple brands. And and I was doing a lot of marketing work, special promotions, trying to help the units to drive the revenues and increase the traffic coming in. But Stan, really what happened and anybody that, that knows Bud and the culture and environment of ICED, the holding company that he created, I, very quickly I was involved in training, was putting together marketing programs, I was handling franchisee relations just wearing a lot of different hats, which was really perfect for me. Probably the neatest thing that I evolved into doing for Bud was being able to do a little bird dogging for him and Steve Hammerstein. Steve was his president and CEO, and Steve's a former IFA chairman. But I was able to do a lot of the bird dogging because they were regularly being reached out to by franchise companies that wanted either ICED to invest in them or buy the company. And those guys allowed me just to you know go pull the covers back and check out this brand. And I didn't realize it at the time, Stan, but very, very early on, I ended up that due diligence and that initial work on the front end. And if it met the criteria that ICD was looking for, of course, then really be turned over to Steve and Bud and they would take it from there. But just that initial kind of pulling back the covers, taking a look and analyzing a franchise company, I didn't know what that would mean to me over my career, but it was priceless to be able to step into all these brands and see the patterns very early on. Man, this seems like a great business model a very good team. They seem fanatical about helping wanting franchisees to win. How come they can't get past 20 or 30 units? And they've been doing this six or seven years. So those questions, it seems a lot clearer today talking with you about it than it did back in 1994, doing those things. But it's looking back and and the rewind makes me realize that that's really a question we've been asking or that I've been asking for my entire career. What did you go to school to study for art? I went to University of Houston after graduating high school in 1988. I started out political science. Then I went over to the psychology school. Then I went over to the business school, the Melcher School of Business there at U of H. And then when I finally decided to retire early, Stan, from college, uh, because (laughs) I was thinking at the time, I probably knew more than most of my professors. 
was big time wrong on that, by the way. But when I retired early, I was over in the School of Economics. So I'm one of those guys with a lot of college hours without the official bachelor's to go along with it. I guess that makes me a college dropout. Well, I don't know. I mean, at least you went. I never even started. So, (laughs) (laughs) And I profess to have a PhD, which I always amusingly call my people handling degree, my PhD. Oh, oh, your yes, people handling degree. You've heard of the other interpretation of PhD, haven't you? Tell me. Piled higher and deeper. So, you know, I know I have some of that in me. (laughs) Well, I'll say this with or without the piece of paper. What better pot of stew could you have thrown yourself at but business and economics, psychology and political science as a springboard into franchising? Well, I agree. I think, you know, education is certainly always more than a piece of paper. But listen, I see the young people now coming into franchising and get to work with them through our brand partners. And there's some smart young people coming into this industry that do have the proper education and official education. And as our industry involves, we're going to see more and more. And I think we're already seeing it to where, especially with all the use of analytics and data, the new day for the franchise industry has already arrived. And I'm probably a little bit lucky, Stan, because even in the early 90s and, and arguably even some some ways today, our industry is still just barely probably in the toddler state. There's still so many things that that we can look at in our industry that puts us behind other industries in terms of our evolution of our industry. And, you know, I see the people coming into this thing today and smart, bright young people who are, Stan, making franchising as a career move earlier versus a lot of us just kind of stumbling into it. I just feel lucky that I stumbled into it at 24. But you're right about that, it finding us. But I think the days ahead for franchising, uh, and of course, some of that sophistication is also evolving with ownership where we're seeing more and more private equity firms, either a partial investor or fully owning a lot of these franchise companies. That's certainly advancing a lot of the industry as well, in my opinion. Take us a little further forward and tell us what came following Quick Copy. Yeah, climbing in there with Bud. What happened to that is I spent a number of years with Bud working my way all the way up to being head of all recruitment and development for all of the brands. At that time, I think there were six or seven. My job, we centralized recruitment. So I was responsible for all the development. My customers were the president of each one of those brands. And so if you see a Dwyer Group, now Neighborly, and some of the multi-brand franchisors, Bud and ICED really were one of the first multi-brand franchisors, even with brands in different industries. I'm not saying that ICED was the first one, but they definitely were one of the first to really start that whole idea of having a multi-brand concept or company with shared resources. So my customers were the president of each one of those brands and getting with them to understand their recruitment goals, what they wanted to see for the next 12, 24, 36 months, talking with them about what their ideal candidate is, their value proposition, how to properly communicate message and position that out in the world. And again, Stan, I didn't even realize what a primer that would be for what we do now today at CGI Franchise. But actually, the business that we have today is really built on that same premise, had all these internal customers, these presidents of these brands, helping them get their recruitment and development right. So from there in 2007, I was recruited to take over the chief development officer position at Alpha Graphics. Later in 2012, I became the CEO of Alpha Graphics Stan. In 2014, Alpha Graphics was sold to a publicly traded company. And at that time, my wife informed me uh, lovingly, by the way, that we were going to relocate back to our hometown here in Temple, Texas from Salt Lake. Our parents, both of our parents were getting a little bit older. We wanted to be close to them. And told her, I said, said, honey, you know, there aren't a whole lot of franchise companies based in population 80,000 of Temple, Texas. And I really 
really wasn't interested in commuting back and forth to a city every week in that spot. And she, again, lovingly in her German way said, you'll figure it out. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and that figuring it out, that really was the seed for starting CGI franchise. And I know we're going to get into that a little bit later, but that yeah. brings me up to where we are today is making that move in 2014 and just making that decision that we were going to launch a business that could help franchise companies with recruitment. Well, you've got a long career that I think I remember as far back as Alpha Graphics, I believe is where I remember you first are. But I always remember you on a short list of people that I had to be in the room for. And I was always honored by those who would come hear me. But at an update or any time we were at Franchise Update or any place where Art Coley was going to be speaking, it was a mad rush to be sure I had a chair in that room. And I say that without puffing you at all. That's, that is just exactly the way it is. You're one of those guys who has a tremendous amount of intellectual capital and analytical power and gift of communicating it and making it make sense to people so that they too can learn and benefit from what you do. Thank you. Thank you, Stan. And I have to add to that. I mean, first of all, I do appreciate that. And I'll own some of that. I'll own some of that. But the reason I'll own part of it is because I've just had so many good people over those decades that had given a curious kid time that have, when I've asked the names that we all know in this industry, could you give me a few minutes and just let me bend your ear about whatever the topic was. And so it really speaks to our community that doesn't really judge no matter where I was on my journey in franchising. I could always find someone that would either be my official or unofficial mentor that would take my calls, give me time. Again, I won't go down the list of names. We know who those are in the industry, but we've always had that culture in the franchise industry that if somebody's willing to learn and challenge something and ask a question that as an industry, we've been pretty open to that. And so again, I just consider myself really lucky that I've been able to find something that I'm, like you said, passionate about franchising and then been able to live in that passion. I mean, sometimes I honestly stand genuinely, sincerely just pinch myself and say, are you kidding me? I get paid for this. I get paid for being able to work in an industry that does what we do and helps people see the possibilities of living their life dreams through small business ownership in a franchise. It's just super, super grateful and fortunate and lucky. And thank you for those kind words. Well, they're heartfelt. And you know, it's kind of funny how people coming in from the outside don't get that. And it takes them a little while to figure it out. It's hard for people to have understood how they could have seen Peter Cancro, Tony Conza, and Fred DeLuca in the same room sharing with each other as direct competitors at an IFA convention franchise tended to flip gears and they became the mindset of the franchisee and the IFA was the franchisor and we would all kind of just join together and learn from each other. Culturally, it's what franchising is built upon and it takes a little time for some people to get their heads around that. And speaking of IFA, my favorite part of conventions was just walking the halls, getting from one room to another and getting stopped by people because I'd have like 16 ribbons on my (laughs) backpack and they'd say, you must be important. You know, I'm not really that important at all. You're important. Is this your first time here? Because you could see their little flag that they had to wear for being first timers. And I used to love to just stop and talk with people who were there for the first time and do whatever little bit I could to help them get their head around this for the first time, because it can be daunting and overwhelming. I share everything that you just said there, this being at those conferences and seeing the new blood come in, whether it's somebody new to franchising in a mature brand, or if it's somebody there trying to live their dream 
as a franchisor and sharing their business model with other people. It's just, you know, small business ownership is the 30 million plus small businesses in our country. We know that (laughs) almost 98% of all of those are small businesses. And I'm not talking about small business with 500 employees. I'm talking about the small businesses where the difference in sales might mean the type of vacation a family takes this year or the how how well the business does will do is a difference in where the kids go to college. That's 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 my definition of small business right. to where to where the difference in sales and profits has a direct impact on that small business owner life and and dreams and goals and quality of life and income and wealth and equity and we can never ever forget. Everything you and I are talking about here really comes down to franchising is a way to give people an opportunity to create extraordinary results in their life. I mean, that's what it is. And so that makes the responsibility more than increasing EBITDA or just enterprise value. And I know look, all those conversations matter. They're important. But if we really want to know how we get there and how we create all that, it's go out and make more successful small business owners, right? I mean, help your franchisees be more successful. All that other stuff will take care of itself. Absolutely. Tell you what, let's do art. Let's take a quick break. And when we come back, let's dive into that question that we opened with, which is why are there so many franchisors that have hit a wall in terms of development, gotten to 20 or 30 or 50 even, and then suddenly find themselves unable to continue scaling? We'll talk about it all with Art Coley, CEO of CGI Franchise, and we'll be back to do it in just one minute. Franchise Today will be right back, but first, a word from our sponsors. This portion of Franchise Today is brought to you by Zoracle, providers of spot-on profiles, the gold standard of assessment tools that assure you're selecting the right franchisees every time. Unlike DISC or others that simply gauge personality or communication styles, Zoracle's spot-on assessments are all franchise-specific and based upon seven sciences that nail the results each and every time. Your prospects simply answer a few questions online, and like magic, Zoracle's algorithms scientifically slice, dice, and analyze their thresholds for risk, their business acumen, and even their propensity for single or multi-unit ownership. Zoracle's spot-on analysis is like having a crystal ball, but there's no hoodoo here. It's all based upon science that flawlessly determines franchisee, franchisor compatibility, and accurately predicts performance. Why don't you schedule a demo today and take a complimentary look and see for yourself. It's the closest thing to a sure thing. Zoracle, spot on assessments based on science, but delivering results that seem simply magical. Check them out at www.zoracleprofiles.com. And my conversation with Art Coley, CEO and founder of CGI Franchise, continues. And Art, we were kind of dabbling around and talking around the issues of structured licensing systems without having called it such. But really, that's what franchising requires, doesn't it? This system that's as meticulous as whatever the secret sauce was that got you into your concept or your brand in the first place as well, right? Absolutely, Stan. I mean, you know, you asked that question of, why do so many franchise companies struggle to grow? I mean, the data is absolutely overwhelming. You know, I've yet to talk to somebody in franchising that says, man, I want to franchise what we do. And I'm looking and I'll say, well, what's your vision? And I rarely have them say something like, well, I'm looking out five years and I think maybe we could have 20 units. Nobody ever says that, you know, it's always <laughs> something so bigger all over the world. In five years, we'll probably be in every country, including North Korea. It's so big. But then fast forward 60 months. 
And the reality for, to say majority, is even an understatement because we know whether you go to FranchiseGrade.com, FranData, you know, they have the hard data from the FDDs, but we know that out of every 100 franchise companies that start, less than 4% will make it to 100 units. About 1% will make it to 200 units. And along the way, a lot of those concepts have really good business models. Like they have, they've got some really strong concepts that, you know, you find yourself scratching your head going, geez, really? There's seven years later? And they've got 30 or 40 units and they're struggling to grow. This is an outstanding business model. So you tell me where you want to take it, but I love having this conversation about it because I'm hoping somebody can pick up a nugget that'll help them be one of those in that small percent or increase the percentage. I just think it's as plain as day. I don't think there's any mystery to this at all. It took lessons learned to grow your business, whatever your widget, whatever your market sector, whatever your brand may be. And along the way, you created steps to deliver that business to a consumer with precision and you now teaching others to do that is a different business. The business of growing your business and the business of operating your business are simply different businesses. And so founders do a terrific job in many cases of growing their businesses to the point where they've reached their own levels of incompetency, not meant to be an insult to anybody. Right. But you've got to bring in the next layer. It would be like a transmission on a car with a standard transmission, never getting out of second gear. You can't make the thing go faster or further. You're going to burn up the tranny. So I see it the same way. I think that the skills required to understand the metrics and then to be able to act on them and then to be able to deliver, to grow and develop a pipeline and a funnel is as much a professional skill as the professional skill needed to do whatever your core business got you in business to do in the first place. And if I understand what you do at CGI, that's what it is. Am I correct? It is. Yeah. We have what we call the recruitment operating system. We call it ROS. The best way I describe what we do, Stan, is that I didn't want to be a consulting company or a training company and, you know, and just, just get hired to bill somebody by the hour. I love the franchising model to where the true nature of a franchise is, is that if you're not successful, the franchisor is not successful, right? That real value is coming from the royalty. And if you're wanting that royalty number to be higher, then you got to figure out how to help your existing franchisees be more successful. So I love that. That business model. So we set up our business stand to where the brand partners that we work with, we give them the recruitment operating system, and then we show them how to go use that to do a better job with recruitment. But Sam, may I come back to something you said earlier about somebody has a successful business and they go, man, we're really good in the dry cleaning business or the automobile tinting business or the childcare business or the freight and shipping business or the whatever haircutting business, whatever industry they're in, they do that one thing. May I speak just a second to that? Certainly can, Art. Go for it. Okay. Yeah. You know, Stan, I was thinking that we just see this all the time and it's a lot what you see said that there's three things that we see that a lot of franchise companies, especially those in the startup and emerging stage, trying to break into that mid-market size. And really even the mid-market people that, let's not forget, only about 10% max of those brands that reach 100 units will ever get to 200 units. And and most of them aren't wanting to stop there. So there's a glass ceiling that happens even at that 100, 125 unit mark. And a lot of people listening here that have have lived that know, know what I'm talking about. But I think the first thing, Stan, is that sometimes there's a misconception. Having a franchise company, as you said, it is a different business. If I've been successful in, and I'll go to Alpha Graphics, right? If I was successful at building a printing business, and now I'm saying, wow, this works pretty well. I think we could franchise it. Just like you said, I just started another business. I'm no longer in the printing business. I'm in the franchise business, which means I'm in the business of helping people become successful as small business owners. It may happen to be in the print industry or pick whatever the hundred plus industries that IFA says that we represent across the scale, but it's, it's, it is a different industry. And one of the things that 
founders, people that are entrepreneurial and visionary sometimes can underestimate and underscope something. And we think, wow, well, franchising can't be all that hard. Mm -hmm. And so that's the first thing that I see is just people not realizing that it's a separate business. And oh, and by the way, if you think it's a get rich quick thing, or if this is going to be easy, you've already lost out of the gate. Start with it's long, it's hard work. It's going to cost a lot of money. It's going to take a lot of investment and probably know how much ever I figure it will cost and time it'll take multiplied times 10. Now, do I still want to sign up mm-hmm. you know, for franchising my business? But that, that's one that it's just hard. Number two, you're in the franchise business. You're now just not in that industry anymore. And the third thing is, is that it usually takes them a few years if they ever even figure out that franchise development is a separate business within franchising. Right. You know, that that's now go, wait a minute. I got the franchising business with support and operations. We've got all that sort of, now, now I'm struggling with why can't I recruit more people? Because a great business model isn't enough to be successful in franchise development. A great business model isn't enough to recruit. It's not a bad component, right? I mean, having a great business model because we see average business models or business models that are just okay, that do substantially better with development and growth of unit count and system-wide sales than some concepts that actually have a better business model but are stuck at 40 units. So recognizing that franchise development, and I'm talking about the recruitment to us, our definition of development is both recruiting and the onboarding of new franchisees. You have to treat that as a separate business within the business and be measuring it differently, approaching it analytically differently, the KPIs. It's the realization that we see those that figure that out, the sooner they figure that out, have a much, much better chance of reaching those milestones of 50 units, 100 units and beyond. I think the word intention is the key word to really speak to and focus on when we talk about this art. Because even if you are one of those brands that has sizzle and you have a lot of organic lead gen that finds you, doesn't mean that the people that want to be with you are the people you want to be with, does it? No. And it takes intention to push them through through a funnel with the same steps and deliberation of determining whether they are one of a thousand people that are pushing leads your way or one of one or two or five or ten. So when I hear from brands that don't think they need professional help because, oh, I get all the leads I can get. Well, are you in the business of wanting leads? Are you in the business of rewarding franchises and getting them into your business? So you still have to get the right people. You still have to be able to know who they are. And then you still have to get them on board to assure that they've got all the tools ready to fire and go so that they can hit that number on the top end, right? Yeah. Well, Stan, I mean, the intention is just think about it. If we were going on a fishing trip, and we just said, you just told me, hey, Art, well, let's go on a fishing trip and just have all your stuff together and I'll pick you up. Man, I need to know where are we going fishing? Are we getting on a plane to travel to Cabo San Lucas? Or are we going out here to a East Bell County a few miles away from me fishing in a stock tank for a catfish? There's where we're going, what we're looking for, what our goals and objectives are. Are we trying to fish to feed our family? Are we just really trying to art and stand, just trying to spend some time together, right? And wet a line and whether we catch something doesn't even matter. We're just kind of hanging out. I mean, none of those things are wrong or right. What's wrong is not knowing, right? Is not having that and being a meaningful specific. You know, every year, there's somewhere between 20 and 25,000 agreements that get signed for additional units. I mean, that is, if you're wondering how big's the pond, that's the number. And about 50-50 of who signs those franchise agreements, it's about 50-50, about half of them are what we call the institutional buyer. This is the company that may already have three concepts 
maybe three restaurant concepts and they're looking to add another one in to their portfolio to open units under a different brand. The other half, that first 50%, more of the investor types, they're already a business. It's going to be a little bit more of a spreadsheet decision, a little bit more based on their investment objectives. The other half of those signings are coming from what we call the traditional franchise buyer. And this is the person that has maybe been employed all their life, coming out of corporate America. This is the first time they'll ever be a small business owner and maybe the only time they'll ever be a small business owner. And so with that intention, Stan, also, especially the traditional franchise buyer group, which is about half those signings annually, it takes a tremendous amount of sincerity, integrity, and character, listening, because what we tend to do, right, is we step over there and we want to talk to this first-time, potential first-time business owner, and we want to talk to them like they're an institutional buyer. And this person still may not even know what SBA stands for and doesn't understand, okay, well, if I don't make any money in my first 12 to 18 months, or it takes a year plus to get to even break even, how do I provide for my family at six or 7,000 bucks a month? There's a lot of nurturing, education, because let's face it, there's not even and 1% of the franchise brands in the U.S. have true national brand recognition. Most of us out there in franchising, talking to somebody on the other side of the phone, the Zoom or GoToMeeting session, we're talking to somebody that they don't even know about our brand. That's the majority of the conversations. And so we don't have the power of McDonald's or the power of Marriott or the power of Keller Williams, that brand power to work with in our conversations. And so, but yet we're showing up as if we do. We're not really showing up of really being in tune with these traditional franchise buyers. And I'll tell you, Stan, if there's anybody listening to this today and they're looking to improve their recruitment results, whether they're okay results today and they get better or you're having great results and you still want to make sure you continue them or get better. If you're dealing with traditional franchise buyers, if that's the group that you're talking to, try to focus a little bit more on them instead of your brand. Start out with really getting focused on who they are and what they're trying to accomplish. And a lot of times, whether the dots connect with your brand or not, will nobody's having to push or make anything happen. A lot of times that will just, it will unfold in the process if we do that. The old saying, I believe, was coined by not Gino Wickman, but I think his dad, Floyd Wickman, when he said, people don't care how much you know before they know how much you care. And talking to people about their ambitions and aspirations and goals before you start dumping all about the blah, 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 about your secret sauce and we've got the best training and we're the best this or the best that. I think that's kind of what you're talking about, isn't it? That's exactly what I'm talking about, Stan. Exactly what I'm talking about and referring is that franchising, what drives it. And you could argue this about any industry and really anything, but I think there is something special about this with franchising is that it's a human being on the other end of the line. And whatever goals you have, if you're the founder or CEO for a franchise company, you take the vision goals that you're trying to accomplish, what you're trying to accomplish maybe for your ownership and shareholders, whomever that may be. What's the biggest thing that's standing in the way of that happening is finding the right franchisee partners to come in and help you add units and grow your system. And those people, that those humans that you're needing to do that are traditional franchise buyers, people that who have been in corporate America are used to W-2 employment, and, and the stuff that comes along with that, then you better practice a lot of just what you said there, Stan, and have a lot of, and, and I'm not talking about that everything has to be a therapy session here that we got to sit down and have a kumbaya moment. Right. I'm just, I'm just simply saying that forget about yourself and your brand for a little bit and do what you just said, Stan, focus a little bit more. What is this person trying to accomplish? You know, they're looking to invest $3 million upfront initial investment which is not most of the traditional franchise buyers, but let's say that is the case. And they're looking to build a business that generates a million dollar plus EBITDA. Most franchise companies out there, that's not what they offer. And they may say, well, is it possible with our franchise? 
sure a franchisee could do that, but how many have done it? And if the reality is, is that your franchise has been around seven, eight, nine, 10 years, and you haven't had anybody in your system create that kind of result, then maybe that person isn't a fit for your concept. But on the flip side of that, we know most traditional franchise buyers are looking for a business that they can build. I don't care what industry it is. If they can find a business that they can enjoy doing, they're tired of not being connected in their community. And if they can get involved in their community with their business, they can have a little more quality of life than they had in corporate America. And they can see the pathway to maybe making a six-figure owner benefit or income. That's 90% of most traditional franchise buyers out. That's what they're looking for. Okay, Art, so it's elevator speech time. In the time it would take to take a 16-story elevator ride, share with this audience what it is that CGI Franchise does to help them facilitate that endgame, to get them to where they can live the Stephen Covey saying, begin with the end in mind, here's how. Yeah. Well, franchise companies call us up because they're having trouble with recruitment and we help them with their recruitment piece. So they're coming in. We help them break down everything from the team, their analytics and numbers, their ideal candidate, their value proposition. We help them break those components down, get them right on target and then turn around and deploy that. So everything from lead generation to scheduling appointments with the leads that come in to how your recruiter is going to walk them through the discovery process to even onboarding, because that is part of development. Onboarding is the forgetting part of a development. But Stan, what we do, we've developed something called Recruitment Operating System. We call it ROS that has a complete documented system with the metrics, the analytics, the manuals, the training and support to go along with it, just like a franchisor does for a franchisee in their system. And we've got the evidence and data to support that if you work the Recruitment Operating System, we've got the evidence and data to support the success of it. Who's on the other end of those calls with your team? Who do you work with in support of the franchisor's efforts? Yeah, we're working with the VPs of development, the chief development officers, the recruiters, the recruitment coordinators, which is a massive position that's way overlooked. We're working with appointment setters. So we spend most of our day and week in training sessions, coaching calls, one-on-one sessions. Once a month we have, we're with the CEO. We do what we call an executive recruitment review. We're working with those team members primarily with the recruitment team. And some of our brands, that just may be two people wearing multiple hats. And other brands, we may have a team of seven, eight, nine people on that uh, on that recruitment team. Our day-to-day interactions are with those people and also add in there the onboarding, the people that do onboarding or startup, whatever the brand calls it. Who would it be that's too small? Is there anyone that has a brand and an FDD and a couple of people on payroll that's too small to be helped by you? You know, we've asked that since we launched the business in 2015, we have asked ourselves that question, who are we best suited for? When we started the business, we thought we were primarily going to be working with more emerging brands and they are about a third of our concepts that we work with. We got about another third that's in that mid-market range, 30 to 60 units. And then we have our enterprise group, which is another third of our brands that we work with. We're talking to the people that are 100 plus units. So what we thought, Stan, originally of who we worked with, it's really kind of blown up on us. What we've learned is that as long as the brand is truly committed and dedicated to growing their system, it doesn't matter if they have five units or if they're, I mean, our largest unit count brand that we work with is Pillar to Post. Pillar to Post has over 500 franchisees. They came on and started working with us a little over a year ago because for them to accomplish their goals, and they were already winning at recruitment, but they needed to be signing 100 plus people a year to be on track to accomplish those goals three and five years out. So they were already winning. They just needed to move up to the next level and they had just struggled making that leap. So we have a lot of experience with that over the years. So what we found is the recruitment operating system works, whether somebody's losing at recruitment, they're winning with recruitment, wanting to go to another level, or 
or the other category, somebody may be winning at recruitment today, but it maybe it's more personality driven than process driven. Like they're, okay, we're doing well with recruitment, but if we lose Susie, our recruitment goes with it. And we're seeing more and more of that surface with the brands that reach out with us and talk to us about whether or not it's a fit to work together. All right, I'm going to save a minute toward the end here for you to be able to share contact information with those who may want to get back in touch. But before I do that, let me ask you, is there any question that you wished I would have asked and didn't? Oh man, Stan, no, there's nothing that comes to mind except just adding the piece that to all of us, everybody listen to this, I'm imagining pretty much is going to be connected to the franchise industry. Just never forget what a privilege and honor it is for what we all get to do every day working in the franchise industry. That talking about helping people make a difference in their life, accomplish their dreams and goals for themselves, the people they care and love. And Stan, I just think it's shame on us that any day we forget that. We in franchising have a responsibility to help people properly explore. And if they're not right for our business, then we need to politely let them know that and send them on their way to something else. And if they are right for our business and it feels like a fit and we move forward, it's kind of like our attitude needs to be, you're going to fail over my dead body. I mean, that's the spirit that we need to be bringing with franchising because we owe it to the people that have been to, have done it so well in this, for this industry and creating this opportunity for us today. And we owe it to the people 30, 40, and 50 years ahead, how precious we treat the franchising industry and take care of what we do, that future is going to be what others are going to be living into. So that's the only thing just when I add, Stan, is just, just I appreciate never, that. never I forgetting think, that. I think that we are all benevolent and we all love to give back, but in franchising, guys like you and me love to also pay it forward. Art, how about some contact info for the audience? Yeah, the first thing is if you're wondering more about CGI Franchise, go to www.cgifranchise.com. And then my email address is on our website. Even my mobile phone number is on there. A. Coley at cgifranchise.com is my email address. And if anybody wants to shoot me a text, you hear this, I mean, don't wait, keep it simple. Area code 281-658-9409. I would love to get a text from anybody that just listened to this, even if it's just sharing with me what your takeaway was. All right. I thank you so much. And I'll take you up on that weekend or a couple of days in Temple, Texas, just as soon as I'm safe and feel comfortable getting on a plane. Well, I'll count the days, Stan. Would love to have you here in Temple and to all of the other listeners out there. This is an unprecedented time. And I know the circumstances, I'm not in any way minimizing the hundreds of thousands of people that have lost their lives to this pandemic and what it's created for for is the, a record need for people who are having to consider self-sufficiency through small business ownership. That's just the truth. We have more people out there today trying to figure out how do I secure my future because my job either isn't there or it's not going to be there like it was, or it's going to take me a long time to ever get back, if ever, to the income levels before. And people, again, more and more people are realizing that sometimes the job security is in quotes, right? You know, job security, how real is that? So these are unprecedented record times and if your concept isn't having recruitment success today in this environment, then you may have some bigger problems that you need to address. Be upfront and intentional, using the word Stan mentioned earlier. Meet that head on. Don't dance around it and try to go around it or under it. Go right at it. Meet those problems head on. It'll be good for you, your company, your franchisees, and your future franchisees. Well said, Art. Thanks so much for joining us today and can't wait to see you out there on the trail. Appreciate you, Stan. What an amazing guy. I can't help but be moved by his empathy, energy, and sincere love for franchising. And while I didn't want to distract Art or take him off message during the interview, we all know that his references to franchising as an industry were really intended to speak to the community of franchising as we all know that franchising itself is more a model for doing business than an actual industry per se. That point of order as a postscript to our fantastic conversation. Well, that does it for today. I'll be back again next week to do it all again. But until then, 
Keep making great things happen for your franchisees, for yourselves, and everyone in your orbit. Continue to work smarter, hit the gas harder, and punch through whatever tries getting in your way. I'm Stan Friedman wishing you the best, the very best of all things franchising, and Franchise Today is out. Franchise Today is a production of FRM Solutions, providing best-in-class CRM tools to empower relationships with prospective and existing franchisees. No excuses, just solutions. Find them online at frmsolutions.com. Join Stan every Wednesday at noon Eastern for another live episode of Franchise Today. Or, as always, download episodes on demand at blogtalkradio.com or iTunes. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.